Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. G'day and welcome to those online who have joined us for our Vision Sunday service. And I want to say good morning everyone. Welcome to Vision Sunday. It's a real privilege to have you here today. We've had a great time of worship together. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, amen. Friends, Vision Sunday is a day where we reiterate, where we restate what the vision of our church is because our vision is around why we exist. And here's our phrase as a church on Vision Sunday. Here's our phrase of why we exist. It's our vision statement. Our vision is to see people live in the freedom and purpose Jesus has for our lives. Now, if you've been part of our church for a number of years, you will hopefully be accustomed with this statement and you'll notice that we have a bit of a difference. It used to be to see people live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers, but we simply changed the ending because we wanted to make it more personal. So now, now we're going with to see people live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for our lives. You know, it, it's really important that we continue to state this and restate this for lots of different reasons, which I'll go to in a minute. You know, lots of people each year at the beginning of January sit down and think about their, their, their goals their priorities, the things that are important to them. And then, they, and then we come up with New Year's resolutions. And we go, because of these priorities, because of who I want to be, where I want to go, I'm going to create some New Year's resolutions, some goals in order to change so that I can become more and more the person I want to be. And the reason why we do that, firstly, because it reminds us of what's important. When we think about who we are, what we're about, it reminds us of the most important things because easy to get off track. It then brings alignment to our lives when we sit down and work out who we want to be, New Year's resolutions, where we want to go. Well, then we then align our lives with those things. We work out the things we're going to say yes to. We work out the things we're going to say no to. The third thing is that it encourages us because we look back and well, hopefully it encourages us because we get to look back to where we were and we get to see where we are now. And fourthly, it inspires us to keep going. You know, that's, that's what we do in our personal lives. But it's also true in LifeGate Church, our vision here it is again, to see people live in the freedom and purpose Jesus has for our lives. Vision Sunday is a really important day because number one, it reminds us of what our vision is. Secondly, it brings alignment and that if LifeGate's your church, I would love you to pursue this, that you would pursue this vision not just for my life but for your life or our community's life. And for each ministry of LifeGate Church, that our ministries would align ourselves, our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, every ministry across our church would align themselves with this vision. Hopefully, today encourages you as we hear testimonies of lives being transformed as people are living in greater freedom and fulfilling their purpose. And hopefully, you're inspired to play your part. Hopefully, you're inspired to say, you know what? I'm going to be deliberate in living in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for my life. So let me ask you a couple of questions today. The first one is this. How are you going living in the freedom that Jesus has for your life? When we talk about living in freedom, we're talking around living free from fear. How are you going living free from fear? Fear from addiction. Sorry, freedom from addiction. How are you going with unforgiveness? Are you carrying unforgiveness or are you free from that? How are you going around pain, holding grudges, sin, pride, ego, and the list goes on of all the areas where we can get stuck in our lives, where Jesus wants us to be free? Here's a second question for you. 
How are you going living out the purpose that Jesus has for your life? When we talk about purpose, we talk about loving God. We talk about loving people. We talk about serving one another, giving, encouraging, being generous, speaking life, coming under the lordship of Jesus. This is what it means to live under, to fulfill the purpose that Jesus has for our lives. How are you going with that? You know, it's really important that we continue to ask ourselves these questions. Because it's easy to forget what we're about. Like in life, that you know where you want to be, but you, life happens and you get pulled here and here and there. And then in January, you re, redefine, actually, this is who I am. This is the stuff I need to say no to. This is the stuff I need to say yes to. And it's also true in our church, we need to work out, this is who we are. This is where we're going. How am I going? Living in the freedom that he has for me. How am I going fulfilling the purpose that Jesus has for our lives? It's easy to forget. It's easy to get distracted. And it's super easy to get stuck. Where we look at our lives and go, you know what? I think I'm doing all right. I know there's a few areas, but I'm not really interested in those areas. Nah. But God wants us to continue to get free from any area where we're stuck, any area that's holding you back, any sin in our life that's a weight that's carrying us. He wants us to get free. I brought some things along today, and the first question is, turn to the person next to you and tell me what this is. Turn to the person next to you. If you're online, um, write it in the chat. What is this? Who, who knows what it is? Yell it out. What's the answer? Not you. Someone else yell out the answer. What is it? Awesome. I asked some young people yesterday, uh, uh, Thomas's children, and they said, is that a candle? Is that a toilet plunger? That's what they asked. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a paint stirrer. And it has not been cleaned in between. This thing has been, this is my paint stirrer, and I've used it 20, 30 times. Because this paint stirrer is supposed to look like this. This is how they are brand new. And when you don't wash them, you get layer of paint, and then it dries, layer of paint, then it dries, layer of paint, and look at the difference in thickness. Must be 20 or 30 layers of paint. And, and, I, and I bring you this analogy for a reason. Because in life, we, it's easy for us to become like this paint stirrer. You know, when God made humanity, he made us like this. This clean, ready-to-use paint stirrers, not paint people, yeah? God made us perfect. And then man sinned. And that sin is like going in the first lot of paint. And as we go through life... It works like this. Here's, here's a tin of paint, and you get your um, paint stirrer on the end. And you go, yeah, and you th- I'm going to make a mess, obviously, so I won't do it here. But you, you stir it. It then dries if you don't wash it off. And then you get the next tin of paint in six months' time when you need to paint the next room. And on it goes again, and, and it thickens up with uh, layers of paint. And as we go through life, we become like this paint stirrer. Not only to do with our own poor choices and the baggage that happens to us and the pain of life and the loss and the difficulties and the conflict and, the, and all these layers of weight carry us. It's also the actions of others and how they treat us can really stick to us and really cause pain and a, little, and a lot of hurt. But the beauty thing of what God does is that when we come to God in faith and repentance, when we, when we recognize who he is and we say to Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in you, 
I ask you to forgive me for my wrongdoing. You know what he does? He does two things. The first thing, he gives you a new identity. And when you become a Christian, God no longer sees you with all your stuff and all your layers and all the stuff of life. He sees you like this. That's your standing in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, you are now holy and blameless in his sight. Why? Because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You have relationship with God. You're acceptable to God because you've washed in the blood of Jesus. That's how he sees you. That's your standing. You're part of his family. But then he also goes on a journey of starting to strip back the layers of paint. Today we use paint stripper. Or once it's wet, stick it in a bucket of water. If it's water-based paint or turps, if it's oil-based paint and the paint comes off. But for God, he uses not paint stripper. He uses his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit comes and reveals to us the layers. And we come to him in repentance and God, and he sets us free from that layer. And he sets us free from that layer. And he sets us free from that layer. And as he sets us free, we can live more and more the life that he wants us to live because we're not clogged up with all the stuff of life. And this is the picture of the vision of a LifeGate church. We're all like this, really. But Jesus summons us to live free and fulfill the purpose that he has for us. And that happens as we get real about where we're at. We come to him. We ask him to forgive us and ask him to work in our lives, start stripping back the layers and setting us free. Check out this video of people of LifeGate Church and their experience of being set free. Uh, I was negative, felt neglected, um, felt as uh, nothing and directionless. I was fearful, I was anxious. I couldn't sleep at night, I was angry. I was a people pleaser. I was a person who was uh, addicted to many, many things. I was very shy as a child. I didn't like to talk to people I didn't know. Two years ago I was broken. I was grief-struck. Before I met Jesus, I trusted no one. I was an anxious and worried person. I used to think nobody liked me. I was unforgiving and angry. I was depressed. I was caught up in my past and my failings. I was tired and weary. Uh, by the grace of God, um, many years I've been in recovery uh, through Christ. He was setting me free day by day. Jesus sent a friend with the verses 14-14. Jesus showed me that he's pleased with me. Jesus changed my identity and gave me purpose in life. He filled me with love. But then Jesus showed me that he's with me and he made me brave. And Jesus said, hey Andrew, I am with you. I will not leave you and I'll sit beside you and walk you through this. But Jesus gave me his peace. Then Jesus showed me how much he loves me. Jesus showed me how much he has forgiven me. And Jesus gave me hope in a community. Jesus bore my sin and those failings. And God showed me that I could just come to him as I am, with all the tiredness, with all the weariness, um, and that he would lighten my burden at the end of the day. And since Jesus has come into my life, it's been a long journey, but I'm learning to trust him firstly, and then other people and circumstances secondly. And today I am walking into a new season full of hope 
and trusting in my Lord Jesus Christ, who is such a faithful God. I'm a work in progress, and I thank God for the grace of God that Jesus, while I was a sinner, still loved me. And I'm very grateful. Now I have freedom in Jesus, I can sleep at night. And now I'm much quicker to trust him. And now, when I walk in a room, knowing his love, I have a confidence I never used to have. And now I am much more forgiving and have so much more peace. And now I love life. I now live in the freedom that he bought for me. I no longer need to seek the approval of others. And now I am able to teach. I'm a teacher and speak at church and he's given me freedom in that area. Amen. Yeah, amen. Let's... Let's pray. Hey, Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for what you've done and are doing in people's lives. Those testimonies, and God, no doubt if we interviewed many people of this church, there'll be so many stories where we were stuck. We met you, you did something in our lives, and now we're so different. So God, we thank you for who you are, that you are the one who sets the captives free, that you give us purpose for life. And we will be a church that pursues the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for each one of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, each Vision Sunday, we want to say uh, thank you to some people. And this year, each year it's different. This year we want to say thank you for those who have helped us with online church. When COVID happened two years ago, we were like, we got to go online. Well, what do we do? And there's been a number of people who have really been a blessing. So when I call your name, I want you to come up the front. Big Joel Curtis, who's currently on production. Can you leave the production box right now? And we have something small for you. This is Big Joel Curtis. And we want to say thank you to you, mate, for setting us up with online. Because without you, we would be absolutely lost. God bless you. Thank you so much, mate. Get out of here. You're done. I want to say thank you to Carlos. Come on down, Carlos, who's been a blessing with our recording. These guys have given many hours being down at the church, saying, play now, and me talking to the camera. Come on, this is for you, brother, Carlos. Thank you, mate. God bless you. No, no kisses. Um, these guys come down. and oh, Damn, I better do that again. Man, I better do that again. Oh, we didn't press go on the sound. All these things that we do. Andrew, we want to say thank you to you. Come on down, Andrew. Andrew runs now our online church, and we want to thank brother, thank you, and our online pastor. God bless you, mate. Thank you so much. And there's a couple of other people who aren't here for this service. Might be the next one for Sarah Given and also TK. If you're watching, we're going to say thank you to you guys as well. Can I say thank you to the hosts as well for those who are and those who are hosting today, for Greg and Donna and Julie and the team who have been hosting our online, and those in the chats and the emails and the follow-up. It's been an awesome thing, and without that. I don't know what we would have done. So a big thank you to that team, hey? Yeah. yeah, really, really good. Thank you so much. Awesome. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, some new things for, for, for this year, what's happening new in 2022. And the first thing is I want to talk to you around prayer. Now, this isn't new. It's been going for a few months, but it's new to us as a church. So I really want to encourage you around prayer. You know, me praying on my own, it's a bit of a struggle. But when I'm with other people, man, I pray so much it helps me so much. And there's three, three environments that we pray um, as a church. The first is our Tuesday night prayer. It's on Zoom. Simply go to our website, 
go to the link and click on prayer and it tells you the Zoom link, it's all there. Underneath that, we have 24-7 prayer where you can lock in an hour and pray. I pray on a Thursday morning for an hour. That's my spot. And then there's um, Nikki and Mr. Rex and Michelle as a group, group of people that gather at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock? On a, on, a, on a weekday morning, talk to Nikki about that. There's spots for prayer because when we pray, God moves. We underestimate. We underestimate the effectiveness of prayer. What is better than God moving his hand? And when we pray, he moves. So let me encourage you to be part of our um, prayer meetings. The 24-7's prayer is there. And the other thing we're doing is Deb um, is setting, Deb's setting up foundations online. Foundations is our discipleship course that we've put together um, there's currently people doing it right now in our youth room during our 9 o'clock service, and we're getting it online. And hopefully by July, Deb, July, we want to have it finished and in the world. So that's going to go around the world. People are going to commit their lives to Jesus, get discipled through this. That's pretty awesome. The second thing is we're doing school. The next thing is school leadership 2.0. Over the previous four years, we've done school leadership, the full course. But I'm, I've I'm become very aware that some people in our church haven't got the capacity to do the full course. So this year we're doing School Leadership 2.0. It's for everybody who's done it the last four years. It's a refresher. And it's for those who haven't got the capacity to do the full course. I'd love you to do it this year. It's on a Monday night, eight, eight Mondays. How many is that? Eight Mondays throughout the year. Starts on the 7th of March. It's reading, it's preparation, it's discussion. It's going to be in person and online. Um, if you're interested in that, come and talk to me. Um, go to our Start Here desk. Put a comment in the chat box, and we will help you connect in School Leadership 2.0. Another thing we've done this year is we've joined up the Liverpool Scripture Board. I mean, Scripture in schools is hugely important. The message of Jesus being preached to kids, many of them are unchurched kids. And we're part of this Padstow Easter Scripture Board. We've just joined the Liverpool Scripture Board, which is pretty awesome. We talked around the Padstow building lots of times. We're still waiting for the rezoning. We're just waiting, and we're waiting. How long is it going to take? I have no idea. I'm not going to say any more on that. And the final thing I want to tell you about is we're setting up um, Sunday Night Youth. We currently have 20 Year 12 students who are part of our youth on a Friday night. And to transition them well for Friday night into young adults, Christy had the brilliant idea of doing a Sunday Night Youth program fortnightly for them. They did one last year, and it's going to happen Friday nights, not Friday, Sunday nights fortnightly uh, this year. It's going to be pretty great. I want to show you a video of... Uh, youth camp, two minutes about what happened with some of our youth in January. But before I do this, we want to say a huge thank you to those in the kitchen like Julie and Wendy and Kathy and Rhonda and Martin and the rest of you guys, forgotten everyone else, Kathy, Jackie, thank you Jackie, and those that cook for this time. Check this video out, you'll be encouraged. We're going to dive into the message. Are you ready for the word today? Not that it hasn't been about the word today, but here's the actual message bit. Father, we want to thank you for what's happened so far on our Vision Sunday. Thank you for what you're doing in our church, the testimonies of freedom, what happened at youth camp, and for the opportunity with our youth and, found, and foundations going online, and the opportunity with the scripture board, and school leadership 2.0, and all the prayer gatherings. Father, there's so much going on in the life of our church, and we thank you for it. Father, may we be deliberate in praying and partnering with what you're doing here. Father, open our hearts and minds up now as we come to your word, that you would speak to us, that you remind me of what I prepared you'll give us all that we need, and you'll bring transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. I have a memory as a kid um, waking up one night 
and waking up under the covers. Now, I think this is reality. You know, when you think back to your old days, it might have been a dream, but I'm pretty sure it was reality. And I woke up and I was under the covers and I'm like, which way's out? And I remember going to the side of the bed and it must have been a day when mum had just made the bed that morning because I remember the, the, the sides of the sheets were really tight. It must have been really small, like really small, well, not much smaller than what I am now. Going this way, going this way, going this way and, not, and I just couldn't work out the way out. And it was dark under the covers and at night, mum, mum. And eventually mum came, pulled the sheets back and, and I was safe. I was stuck under those sheets, stuck under those sheets and then mum came and rescued me. And it's not just in under the sheets that little kids get stuck. And as adults, we are, there are many areas of life where we get stuck. An area of life where I'm stuck is around our holiday destination. I've been to my, my, this holiday destination that we go to for the last 34 years. Once a year for 34 years. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. You might say, wow, it must be a pretty amazing place to want to go back for 34 years in a row. And let me tell you, it is a pretty amazing place. But... I'm missing out on so much more that life has to offer and places. Amen? There's so many more things. You know, in life, we can get stuck in routines, in behaviors, and some of them aren't even that bad, but sometimes the stuff we're in is actually holding us back from so much more that God has for us, the freedom and the purpose that he has for our lives. Our patterns that we can get stuck in can hold us back. It could be a mindset. It could be the way you see yourself. It could be a, a, a poor relationship. It could be unforgiveness or pain. There's so many areas of life where we can get stuck, like the paint stirrer with the layers of paint. And this paint stirrer, although it can still stir the paint, it can't stir it as well because it needs to be a skinny bit of metal that spins around rather than be these big thick bits. It doesn't... It doesn't stir the pain as well. And it's like with our lives, when we're carrying all the layers of pain and hurt and the areas where we're stuck, it holds us back from the fullness that God has for us. When we're not living in freedom, it holds us back from what God has for us. So let me ask this question, where are you stuck? Where are you stuck in life? Is it a mindset? Is it an addiction? Is it a behavior? What are the things that are holding you back from all that God has for you? Today I want to take you to Luke chapter 18. And in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable, it's a story, of two people who go to the temple to pray. And he describes these men in two ways. I'm going to summarize the text for you, and then we're going to read it. What we read about the first man is that this first man thought, He had it all together. The second thing about this first man is that he looked down on others. And the third thing, he was unwilling to change. This guy was stuck. He thought he had it all together. Look at me, aren't I great? No need for change. He was stuck in his what he thought was okay. He looked down on others. He was stuck in judgment and stuck in looking down and belittling and lifting himself up. And he was stuck because he was unwilling to change. The second man Jesus describes saw his failings. He looked at himself, not at others. And we can see that he's willing to change. Now what might might surprise you in this story is that the first man 
was like, was a religious leader. Now, if you think about religious leaders today, priests and pastors, they're supposed to have a great character. And most of them do. Most of them do. Not all of them. Most of them do. And a pastor, you'd think, would be the second guy who would see his failings rather than point the finger, point the finger at himself and willing to change. That, that's what you'd expect the religious leader to be. But Jesus says, this is the religious leader over here. And, you might be, and what you might be surprised to know that the second man wasn't some full-on Jesus-following Christian leader. He was a tax collector, someone who was known for thieving, stealing, robbing the Roman people, giving the money to the Romans, seen really negatively by the people at the time. I wonder which person you can relate to the most out of these two groups. There's a tough question, isn't it? Which one can you relate to the most? Let's read this text from Luke chapter 18. This is what Jesus says. No, Jesus doesn't say it. Luke says it. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. I'll read that again. Super important. Here's the context. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, righteousness means being right in God's sight. They were confident of, of their behavior, their performance was good enough so God would say, you're okay, and they thought they were okay because of their performance. And not only did they think they were good, they then looked down on others. Jesus told this parable. <clears throat> Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this person named Christy. No, or even like this tax collector. Look at, look at my performance. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest, breast, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who will exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Powerful text, hey. Why did Jesus tell the parable? Well, firstly, we're told in verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. Jesus was out and about teaching, and no doubt came across some religious people who thought, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay, God's pleased with me because I do all these really good things. Yeah, that's the reason he told the parable. And the first person he speaks about is the Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were the religious leaders at the time. They were to teach the people God's, God's truth. They were to live in a way that set the example for the people of how to live. But Jesus had massive issues with them because they didn't practice what they preached. They, made it, they, they created all these extra laws and dumped them on people. They made it really hard for people to approach God, and they looked down. They had this, look at me, aren't I great? They wore these fancy clothes and looked down at anyone who wasn't like them. Jesus had massive problems with them. And in this text, Jesus gives us a picture of a typical Pharisee, or some Pharisees, not them all, some were, some were legit, but many had Jesus had issues with. And the first thing, as I said before, is that this Pharisee thought 
he had it all together. This Pharisee thought he had it all together. Look at verse 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Imagine that. Gavin stands up in church. God, I thank you that I'm so good. I'm not bad like this, and I'm not as bad as that Colin de Montfort guy. Woo-hoo! Imagine that. No way. You wouldn't, we, wouldn't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. You know, this dude, this Pharisee, was all around his performance. He looked at what he didn't do, and he goes, wow, aren't I great? And, and the stuff he didn't do is good. Like, we shouldn't be adulterers. We shouldn't be evildoers. We shouldn't be robbers. And then he goes about the things that he does do. And, and we might look at what he does. He fasts twice a week and give a, gives a tenth of all I get and goes to the temple to pray. We might look at his life and go, wow, he's actually doing better than I am. But he was basing his righteousness, being right in God's sight, based on his works, based on his performance. And I wonder if you can relate to that today. If you're here today and you're watching online and you think God is going to think you're okay, if you think that you're going to be righteous in God's sight by your performance, friends, you are hugely mistaken. Because none of us can perform to the level that God needs us to perform to be accepted by him. Why? Because we all sin. We all do wrongdoing. We all fall short of God's expectations. We can't be saved by what we do. It says this clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Paul writes, For it's by grace, God's kindness to you, that you've been saved. Saved from what? Saved from death. Separation from God. How are you saved? Through faith. Faith is putting your trust in God, trust in Jesus. And this saving is not from yourself. It is God's gift to you. God gives you the gift of righteousness. How? By you coming to him in repentance, asking to forgive you, and putting your faith in him. Verse 9, it's not by your works. I give a tenth. I pray. I fast twice a week. I'm not like this. No. It's not by your works. So no one can boast. No one can say, I'm better than you. Or look at what I've done. No. It's uh, salvation, righteousness is a work of God. And if you've been a Christian for some time, you know, it's, you, if you've been a Christian, you have at some stage in your life come to God in repentance and said, God, I've messed it up. I am an evildoer. I've done this and I've done this and I'm sorry. And I put my, put my faith in you and at that moment you are saved, you've become a Christian, right? But then as a Christian, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking you're going to be okay because of your obedience. Now, let me say, obedience is good. Obedience leads to blessings. Obedience leads to opportunity. God gives you opportunity. He gives you a small thing. He sees you faithful and gives you a larger thing. Obedience leads to the life and abundance that Jesus has for us. Absolutely. But to base your righteousness, being right in God's sight on your obedience, is just doesn't how it works. Doesn't how it works. Doesn't how it works. Doesn't, isn't. It's not how it works. We put our faith in him. We are repentant. We're saved. And then we live a life of obedience. Obedience is the fruit of salvation, not the means to salvation. This Pharisee was stuck because he thought he had it all together. All he had to do was look at the attitude of his heart and, and compare his heart with the first commandment, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, like have no other gods before me. And by doing that, he would have said, actually, I've stuffed that one up and that one up and that one up if he was honest. 
but he was stuck because he couldn't even see his failings. The first thing we see about this guy, this Pharisee, is that he thought he had it all together. The second thing we see is that he looked down on others. This is what it says. The Pharisee stood by himself. God, I thank you. I'm not like this rob, like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulteries, or even like this tax collector. He saw a tax collector who's known for their stealing and robbing and taking from the Jews and giving to the Romans, people who took more than they should, who treated their own people poorly. And he pointed his finger and judged him. He said, I'm glad I'm not like that. Look at Jesus' response to that in verse 14. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Being humble is simply seeing yourself as how you really are. It's not puffing yourself up or putting yourself higher than another. It's just saying, this is who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And every good thing you have, every gift you have, every talent you have, you didn't get that. God gave you that. And we need to recognize that all that stuff that we have and the abilities that we have and the gifts that we have have come from God, so we're to give him the credit. This guy was stuck in his judgment of others. I wonder if you can relate to judging others. A few, about 18 months ago, I had the privilege of baptizing my brother, Kurt. This is the place I've been to for the last 34 years, by the way. And um, my, my uh, brother's moved there. How stuck is that? Um, and he asked me to baptize him. And before we baptized him, he stood up and he said, um, my life was a mess. And he started to apologize to my mom and to my sister for how, and me, for how he treated us. And man, he treated us pretty poorly, right? And in that moment, I had this thought that said, and at the time, Kurt was sharing with the pastor there and all these people from his new church up in Port Macquarie were there. And I thought to myself, Kurt doesn't deserve this. I made a judgment upon him from my place of righteousness. He's treated us poorly. He's done all these wrong things. He doesn't deserve to be celebrated in that way. And then I was like, ooh, that's not a good thought. I was like the Pharisee in that story, looking down on another. Where the reality is, Kurt's just another sinner saved by grace like me. And is is my life more transformed like Jesus in his? Absolutely, because I've been walking with the Lord longer than he has. But why is my life more, more transformed? Not because of my ability, but by what God has done in my life. It's God's goodness that I've been transformed. And Kurt, over the last 18 months, has been on a huge journey of transformation, and he is so much more like Jesus than what he once was. It is a true miracle. If you don't believe in God, meet Kurt two years ago, meet Kurt now, and you will see a radical transformation in his life. You know, it's easy for us to be like the Pharisee and look down on others. It's easy for us to compare. And when we compare our lives with others, we might think to ourselves, I'm okay because I'm not like that. But the benchmark's not not them, it's Jesus. And we look at how Jesus lived and we compare ourselves to that and we see our failings and we continue to repent and say, God, I'm sorry and I choose to live your way and allow the transformational work of God live in our lives. This guy was stuck, second reason, because he looked down on others. Third reason is that he was unwilling to change. Now, the text doesn't say this specifically, but the fact that he thought he had it all together and he looked down on others, he had no desire to change. And because of that, he was stuck. Now, compare that 
with the tax collector. The tax collector, on the other hand. Firstly, he didn't look down on others. He saw his failings. Look at what it says in Luke 18, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This idea of looking down to heaven, this idea of beating his breast, would a man, he was super serious. And he was crying out from the depth of his being, God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. I know what I've done wrong. I know it's wrong. God, forgive me. God, change me. I recognize my error. That's the first thing that we see in this tax collector. He saw his failings. The second thing we see in this tax collector is that he looked at himself. He didn't point his finger and judge others. He didn't compare himself. He just looked and said, God, I know what I've done, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. I see my weakness. I see my failings. And the third thing we see with this tax collector is that he was willing to change. It doesn't say that specifically in the text, but he's beating in the heart. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Leads us to the place where he says, I want to change God. And look at what Jesus says about the tax collector. He says this, I tell you that this man, this tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. He recognized his failings. He recognized his weakness, his sin. He came to God in repentance. And God says, Jesus says, that's the one. That's the one I want. person who's willing to see their weaknesses, who's willing to change, who sees their failures, not pointing the finger at others, but taking the plank out of their own eye rather than focusing on the speck in others, focusing on himself. As we look at these two men, we see this first man, he thought he had it all together, looked down on others, unwilling to change. Compared to the second man, the tax collector, who saw his failings, he looked at himself and willing to change. I wonder which man do you relate to the most? You know, at LifeGate Church, we want to be a church that's like the second guy, where it's okay not to have it all together, where it's okay to say, you know what, I don't have it all together. It's totally okay to say, I've got it wrong, I've sinned, I've messed up. That's okay. Because you're not unusual, you are very usual because I'm like that, and Christy's like that, and Gav's like that, and Donna's like that, and Jane's like that, and Kev's like that. I tell you, every person in this room, we're all like it. We all mess it up, we get it wrong, and we're able to say, I want to get real about this, God, I'm struggling. I've got my baggage in that area, and I want to get free. I want to get free of the pain. I want to get free of the unforgiveness. I want to get free of the wrong mindsets. I want to get free of the habits and the addictions and the sin, and I want to fulfill my purpose, God. I want to get free in order to be the person that you want me to be, that I might live a life that honors you. My hope and my prayer online, in person, is that we deliberately pursue this vision, this, this vision that God's given us as the church, that we would live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for our lives, not just for us, but for the sakes of our family, 
the sake of our community, our unsaved loved ones, our people in our workplaces that don't know him. Because when we live in freedom and fulfill our purpose, they get to get a glimpse of it. We get to offer it to them and they can also grab a hold of the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for their lives. So as we come to the end of this message, as we come to the end of Vision Sunday, let me ask you one final question. So where are you stuck? Where are the areas of your life where you're stuck? Where this time next year, if you went on a year journey of getting unstuck in this area, unstuck in this area, what would that area be? What would those areas be? I want to give you 30 seconds to pray and ask the Lord. God revealed to me the areas of my life where I need to get unstuck. Spend 30 seconds. Pray now. The first step in getting unstuck is coming to Jesus in repentance. And maybe you've done it before. Maybe you want to do it for the first time if you want to commit your life to Jesus and to be forgiven and to go on a journey of becoming unstuck. It starts by committing your life to him. So if you're watching this online or in person and you want to commit your life to Jesus, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pray that prayer, you've just become a Christian. You've taken the first step in getting unstuck. You now have a new identity. And God wants to take you on a journey of removing the layers. For those online, we're going to say thank you for being part of Vision Sunday. We're going to say goodbye to you now. God bless you guys. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.